Welcome to the Inspiring Sustainability Podcast. We feature Game Changers, where we get to learn about the experiences and sustainable solutions that some inspiring individuals are leading. So today, I'm delighted to invite Phil Bruner, CEO of Enyan, which is at the intersection of fintech and renewables. So welcome, Phil. Hi, Adam. Thanks for having me. So today, we're going to be uh, talking about why Phil is passionate about renewables and where he's taking this business where finance meets impact. Uh, He'll tell us a bit about uh, Enyan uh, and why he set it up. Um, He's been in the renewables industry for quite some time, so he's going to tell us about what he's learned, about what works, what, what doesn't work. And actually, Phil is a bit rock and roll. And in fact, he might even uh, uh, tease us with the stories of when he was a frontman of a psychedelic rock band in Seattle. And uh, then uh, we'll probably round off with his experience of the crowdfund that he's currently in the middle of. Um, So before we go into that, just a little bit of uh, practicals. Um, Obviously, uh, if you're listening to this, hopefully you'll enjoy it. So if you do, please like us, subscribe to us. Uh, give us a, a a rating if you really like it. Five star would be great. Um, please do subscribe to the uh, Inspiring Sustainability uh, newsletter. You can find that on our website, inspiring-sustainability.com or um, uh, subscribe to it on any podcast app. And uh, regarding sponsorship, well, that's me, Adam Woodall, and my business. So I work with environmentally sustainable startups and scale-ups helping deliver strategic storytelling services. So it's all about helping them they grow so they can achieve their potential and mainstream their solution. And if you want to find out about me or what I do, uh, please go to the website or connect with me on LinkedIn or Twitter. And uh, before, whilst we're on this little kind of ad break, um, Phil, what are the uh, businesses' uh, website and contact details that we can find for you? Right. So the uh, company is called Enian, which is spelled E-N-I-A-N. And our website is enian.co. Right. And um, so, and there's also uh, the crowdfund, which you can find by going to Crowdcube. Yes. Great. Crowdcube.com. So if that's something of interest of you uh, later on, have a, have a look at that. But uh, let's start the conversation. So Phil, tell us, why are you passionate about renewables? Uh, it's a good question. Uh, I guess renewables for for me and for many of my colleagues uh, and friends in the industry, um, you know, it's a it's a solution to many problems. Um, if you look at obviously energy security, but also jobs creation, um, the need to source uh, our fuel and electricity from a from a resource that is uh, not damaging to the environment or the climate. Um, the need to give populations in rural economies uh, sustainable solutions to agricultural challenges. Uh, you know, renewable energy cuts across all of these big global challenges with a single mm. with a single solution that's quite elegant. And I think that's why I like it the most, and that's why I feel passionately about it. And how long have you been working in the renewables industry? Uh, it's been about ten years now. I started out as a as an academic, so I was uh, I was always interested in geopolitics. That's my background. I'm a political scientist. Um, you know, became an entrepreneur a decade ago, uh, but before that, you know, specialized in researching global problems. And uh, I remember coming across the idea of of you know finite fossil fuels as a teenager. Um, friend introduced me to a book. Um, 
that uh, basically opened up the world of energy to me. And, uh, you know, before that, I had never really thought about, you know, how fossil fuels shape the modern economy or shape, you know, the things we do in our day to day in terms of what we buy, in terms of what we consume. And, and that just created a whole new world uh, that I found both fascinating and frightening, uh, to mm. be honest. Uh, you know, the idea that one day these these resources that are so fundamental are not going to be there anymore. Uh, you know, that's a challenge. And uh, so we need to solve this problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. So a couple of questions for, uh, just based on those. First of all, what, what was the – were you at an academic institution as a – was that a, a job that you had? Uh, not so much a job. I mean, maybe as a student I would have considered it a job. But, um, yeah, I started out as an undergraduate at the University of Edinburgh uh, in right. 1999. Um, incidentally, that was the year of the battle in Seattle, um, anti-globalization protest. Um, so there was a lot going on in Seattle at that time uh, about globalization and – you know, I didn't have a particular position on globalization, but I just found it interesting and I decided to study politics as a result. And uh, I've done a couple of master's degrees since then, tried to do a PhD and I'm on the 30 year track um, <laughs> to the University of Edinburgh to finish my PhD. But yeah, my, my kind of interest has always been about this problem. You know, what are we going to do uh, when the fossil fuels inevitably run out? You know, we need to innovate quickly and, and do it in a way that's not going to cause damage to the environment or any more damage to the environment. Um, and so any, and I guess is, is in part, uh, largely influenced by what I've been studying and learning and experimenting with over the last decade and, you know, trying to come up with the most elegant solution that's going to accelerate, you know, solution, uh, renewable energy at that scale. Yeah. So give um, us a little bit more about what Enion is. Sure. So Enion is, uh, is a fintech platform for renewable energy. Basically, um, you know, small funds can access the platform and invest in projects all over the, all over the world. Uh, also it's open to high net worth individuals and, and family offices. Um, the problem in the market that we're solving is that, um, you know, typically in, in renewable energy, as many people are aware, uh, only the bigger projects are really fundable and bankable because the due diligence process and, you know, accessing all the data you need, you need to understand a project is a complex and expensive process. So really with a platform solution, we're just trying to make that process, uh, less expensive, more intuitive. Uh, and we're trying to take the data around projects uh, and you know, use that data to help investors make decisions uh, in a quicker and easier way. Um, so essentially, the platform has two components. One is that you know it allows investors to access projects uh, and invest in those projects, and then the other one is that we actually use machine learning to um, accelerate the the analytics around the project, um, drawing on a, a wide range of data sources. And what sort of things would you compare it to? What to help people f be familiar with it? Um, the easiest thing to compare it to is, is are the apps that we use to find properties to invest in or to to rent. You know, Zoopla is you know I don't want to say that we're the Zoopla for renewables, but you see more and more you know in in the prop tech market, you know, commercial real estate are adopting digital platforms for a whole number of, of services. Um, yeah, one of the main things that's happening is, you know, investment platforms are cropping up. So there's a company called DealPath, which is quite similar to us where, mm -hmm. you know, institutional and kind of smaller fund investors go on to DealPath to find properties that they want to buy. Mm. There's an analytics component there so they can quickly kind of hone in on the data points they need to make a decision. Um, you know, renewable energy is more complex than commercial real estate, but the planning process is kind of similar. 
uh, and the appetite for investing in renewables is also similar. You know, more and more funds are demanding access to good projects. There's a ton of capital out there looking for good projects. It's just they need a you know funds need a way to get these smaller projects to fit their their portfolio and due diligence requirements. Uh, so using data is is a way to make that happen. Great, and so. So you might not use it as a Zoopla of renewables, but we might do in our, in our sure. show notes. Um, yeah, why not? I think, I think that's, it, what it, what's important actually in this is about what I'm passionate about is actually stories and, and helping how do we tell the story more powerfully so that we can accelerate those uh, changes that which are needed. Sure. Um, and uh, so actually something that you're not just uh, helping people invest um, in renewables, but the uh, you're helping an investment happen in your business at the moment. So absolutely, just, we're gonna, we'll come. Back, we're going to come back to the crowdfund, but um, just give us a where are you in your crowdfund journey at the moment? Um, so crowdfunding on Crowdcube uh, started about eight days ago. Um, so we're reasonably fresh. Uh, we're trying to raise two hundred thousand pounds. We've got about seventy two thousand in the bank already. So the progress has been good. Um, there's a lot of interest and, uh, we're hoping to close another 130,000 in the next 20 days. So, uh, right. Exciting. Yeah. yeah. So we'll come it's back exciting. to that. Yeah. Um, so then, um, is there anything else that you'd say about why Enyan is like, is the thing that's kind of come up for you now? Why, why is it that what you're involved in it now and, and, sure. and you feel as though that it's kind of like flowing for you? Well, I've felt the pain. Uh, as a renewable energy developer myself. So uh, I started out my career as a sort of community energy specialist in Scotland. Um, started a company that's still running called the Sustainable Community Energy Network. Mm-hmm. Um, the second company I got involved with, I was recruited by a, a law firm to uh, run a more commercial um, project development business, uh, working together with a kind of consortium of different um Scottish companies that all had different areas of expertise in renewables. And um, we built a pretty sizable portfolio uh, across Scotland and the borders, mostly in hydro and wind. And uh, I just found that that process of, you know, getting uh, getting a feasibility report together and trying to find funding for the project was just so fragmented and inefficient. Um, and, uh, you know, one of the one of the, the outcomes of that or one of the, the impacts of that is that, you know, it takes a long time to get smaller projects um, built. Mm. And from an economic point of view, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. And so what does that mean? Well, it means that, you know, by and large, the most economical projects you can do are the big offshore wind farms. Um, but paradoxically, the growth market is onshore at this sort of smaller scale. And so, um, you know, I guess a quick anecdote is I remember at one point we had we had a client who had eight different potential small hydro sites um, on his estate in a very wet part of the Scottish Highlands, wet and hilly, uh, as it tends to be up north. And um, and I remember at one point, you know, we had been contracted to sit down and do the feasibility report for this client. Uh, we spent about six months putting it together. It was a beautiful report. Very proud of it. Um, you know, it had we, we covered every every angle and um, we had to bring together a lot of specialists to make that report happen uh, because 
there's a lot of niche experts expertise required in renewables. You know, if you're, if you're a wind specialist, you need people that uh, design and put up met masts. If you're a hydro specialist, you need people that, you know, go out and put flow, flow meters in the water to measure the flow rate of the, of the river. And, um, you know, people that know about pearl mussels, for example, which is an endangered protected species in the Scottish Highlands and, and the rivers of Scotland. And so, you know, you need specialists of all sorts of different kinds. And I just remember at one point sitting down and looking at our, our cash flow and the number of subcontractors who were involved in this project. And there were literally 16 companies uh, who were involved in some way, shape, or form in producing this report. And I just thought that that was absurd. Um, you know, there was no software tool that I could use to, as a project manager, manage my relationship with all of these stakeholders. It was either email or Dropbox or a combination of both. And that's when I really started thinking, you know, all we need is just uh, a platform that allows me to interface with all of these different companies and share documents and files with all these different companies um, in one place. And that's where Enium was born. Then, of course, the next inevitable step is, well, wouldn't it also be great to source capital uh, through the same platform? And, you know, so that's where the capital bit comes in. And so with it, um, actually, uh, I'm imagining it's onions more than just you. It is. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we actually have 18 different investors involved in the business who have helped us, you know, get to where we are now. Um, they're all, we call them smart money investors, people from the industry, uh, finance as well, and it as well as energy. Um, so we've been very blessed to have the support of, uh, some pretty sophisticated, uh, folks from the industry, um, over the, over the last 18 months to year, two years. Um, in addition to that, uh, my co-founder Varun Sharma, who's our COO, he was formerly with Bbox, helped them uh, achieve success. Um, we have uh, a head of data science in Edinburgh, who's a machine learning expert, um, who's working on you know our next release. And then we have a very large team of uh, front-end and back-end engineers who are Budapest-based, who we who we interface with daily on on product side. Um, with this next round of funding, we're actually looking to do some hiring. So we've got, uh, we'll have a couple of positions open. Um, we're looking at a CDO position because we deal with a lot of data. We're also looking at, uh, one, at least one in-house full stack developer, uh, and maybe some business development hires as well. So it's an exciting time. We're, we're in growth mode. So basically you're looking for nerds and then people <laughs> who can sell. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, people that know how to party and people that love data <laughs> will fit in well with the culture at Enion. Yeah, absolutely. Right. <laughs> and so um, what are your ambitions for Enion um, that you need this money because you want to go somewhere? Where, where is it that you're aiming for? Uh, the ambition for Enion is absolutely to become the go-to place for the entire renewables ecosystem. So any project developer, any consultant, broker, legal advisor, financier who needs to get a deal done should be able to use our platform to do it. Um, that's the ambition. So on top of that, we have a vision that, you know, you'll see in commercial real estate, you see in even in oil and gas futures in the stock market generally, you see that it's very easy to, to go online and, and buy assets or to trade stocks just using a digital app. Uh, renewable energy will absolutely become an asset class along with these other asset classes where you ought to be able to just, you know, in a few clicks, invest in a project or, or trade a renewable energy futures contract. Um, so that's the long-term vision of the company is that, you know, the, the first step is to get all of the stakeholders uh, onto, the, onto the platform in a way that's useful to them. And then the next step, of course, is to start uh, facilitating transactions and growing the digital marketplace. Mm -hmm. 
uh, for renewables. So that's that's the long term view. And is this uh, for Scotland, for the UK, for Europe, for global? This is worldwide. This right. is worldwide. Absolutely. I mean, the the growth market for renewables is mostly in the emerging south, and so um, you see, you know, Africa, Southeast Asia, Latin America being huge growth markets for for renewable energy. So we very much want to be involved in trying to connect up stakeholders in those in those markets. At the moment, we have uh, 30 project development companies actively using the platform um, and hosting. We've got 76 live deals currently on the platform, and and that's across 50 countries. Um, so we see, you know, at, there's tons of interest, obviously, from North America and Europe, but there's also a lot of interest from emerging markets. It's about a 50-50 split at the moment between the two uh, groups. So... Yeah, absolutely. And it's, yeah. whilst I know that it'd be, it's fantastic if you can get like, you know, a solar panel on the roof of an office in Aberdeen. Yeah. Actually, it's a little bit more valuable if it's on the, uh, the roof of an office in Cape Town. Sure. Um, yeah, sure. Just due to literally the light. However, obviously, if you want to get a uh, wind turbine, um, then, you know, like Aberdeen might, might be good for you. Yeah, a lot uh, of wind up there. So, yes, and that's, that's fantastic that you've got that kind of global ambition mm. um, because I think that's really important. Because of the way that uh, the world works, um, people like to feel the security of going to one, one place where because then it can create a kind of multiplier effect of trust and credibility. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm guessing that you're doing that. Have you got any sort of plans about how you kind of create that multiplier effect? Um, yeah. So that you grow, how, how are you going to grow the business? So I guess you're talking about network effects, mm. uh, which of course are fundamental to any, uh, any B2B tech startup. I mean, uh, network effects are great. Uh, the renewables market tends to be kind of small in the sense that most people know each other. You know, we're still kind of a small market. Uh, we're going to be huge, but at the moment we're still growing. Um, so network effects, you know, largely are driven by word of mouth referrals, uh, but also, uh, digital, uh, interaction through other platforms, social media, LinkedIn, et cetera. Um, at the moment, uh, the, the platform is free to use for all project development businesses. We don't, subscri- uh, we don't charge project development companies, uh, subscription fee, uh, investors need to pay to access the searchable deals list. Um, but project developers don't pay to use the uh, data and project management tools. Um, and so that has led to a large uptake. Uh, we have a lot of traction as a result of sort of offering these useful tools for free. Um, and then over time, as we continue to kind of, you know, build up our brand presence by you know, doing things like giving interviews and, and traveling to conferences and being on you know panels and whatnot, uh, we hope that, you know, we'll continue to increase the number of developers and investors who are using the technology um, and connecting them up in a, in a useful way. Great. Now that sounds uh, like a good, good plan there. And so one of the things is, uh, as well as me teasing everybody with your psychedelic rock band, <laughs> um, you teased us with all these kind of like experiences that you'd had until now. Um, so one of the things that I'm sure the listeners will be interested in, some people who might be thinking about getting into renewables or are in renewables or sure. certainly in an impact led career. Sure. Um, is what what you've learned? Maybe some of the, the 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 things that have been difficult that you now know what not to do, or the things that you now know what you should do. Uh, sure. Well, I mean, I guess you know, if you're going to be in a rock band, make sure you don't quit your day job. Uh, that was lesson number one. Um, if you're going to get into renewable energy, I guess the the one thing to understand is that the market. Uh, if you look at non-large, if you don't, if you exclude large hydro from the sort of calculation. Uh, renewable energy only makes up about 8% of global electricity. 
supply. And so, you know, the other 92% is either large hydro, which is a small component, or fossil fuels or nuclear. Um, so we have a long way to go. And um, what does that mean from a sort of, you know, professional uh, point of view? It's, it's that we need to work together. Um, you know, we're all, the, the entrepreneurs in this business are just like any other uh, market, very competitive. Uh, we love to compete. You know, there's some big egos in this market. Um, but I think if you take a serious look at the numbers, um, it only makes sense that we work together. You know, and, and that, that goes for software, that goes for project development businesses, that goes for EPCs and IPPs. The large multinational power companies need to work with the smaller players. And um, yeah, I think there will come a time when it'll be appropriate to just, you know, hmm. compete like the oil and gas market competes. Yeah. Um, but that time will not come until we've got at least a 50% market capture. Mm. And yeah. So I, I would say to people that want to get involved in the, in the industry, it's, it's a great industry. There's a different culture from fossil fuels. Uh, there is a, a sense of, you know, we, we do have a mission here. It's not just about generating returns. It's, it's also about, you know, trying to solve very serious problems and create a sustainable environment for our nieces and nephews, our children and grandchildren. And so, um, that, that aspect of the market, uh, is something that's, challenging, but also really unique. And, um, it gives you a sense of purpose in everything that you do, which, you know, if you're working in wall street or fleet street, or, you know, you're working for a large corporation that isn't involved in directly trying to solve the world's biggest challenges, you might not have that kind of culture and, you know, you might be questioning what you're doing. And I would be questioning it too. Hmm. No, no, absolutely. And, um, <clears throat> so I love that, uh, the kind of the, the big tip is look for how you can collaborate absolutely, and yeah. can, and kind of, uh, join with people so in in the spirit of that have you got any examples either from your past career or the or, or what you're doing with enyan where you're finding that collaboration is is happening and flourishing sure i mean we started out uh building a product that was very much impact driven the product now is quite commercial but in the beginning we were looking at you know how do you assess a project not just in terms of financial and technical return but also environmental and social return on investment so uh, we built a, an open source app that we released um, to the in, in the public domain on GitHub, um, and that app is is you know free and available for anyone to use. Um, anyone that wants to measure the impact of an energy project can use that app. Uh, the source code is right there. We released it. Uh, we've had some great feedback from the the programming and coding community on that app. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's on GitHub. And the name of the project was RIA Renewable Energy Impact Analytics. Um, so that's one thing we did on the sort of product side, you know, the data side, um, in our practice, uh, you know, we interface, I personally interface with other CEOs, you know, um, men and women who are doing things that are similar or totally different, but all in the renewables market. Uh, you know, we share ideas, we share conversations. Um, I, I do chair a, a group of investors, um, who are kind of operating at a institutional level. Um, called the Green Investment Forum, where we get together for dinner about once a year. Um, and, uh, you know, we get together and we talk about, you know, how to build standards in this market and what can we do to, to you know, accelerate um, investment, not just in renewable energy, but also in the, the wider sustainable infrastructure that we need to support renewable energy and electric vehicles, for example, or the electrification, essentially, of, of all transport. Mm. Uh, some big challenges there, but also you know, it's a massively exciting opportunity at the same time. 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So tell me about something else that's been exciting in you, your, your, your rock and roll career. Oh man. Uh, short lived, <laughs> short lived. Um, yeah, I guess back in, you know, I'm from Seattle, uh, grew up, um, in the Seattle area and, if you're, you know, most people in Seattle are in a rock band at some point. I mean, you just, you know, you'll be walking down the street and you, you might just happen to join a rock band without even you know, realizing it. Um, you know, I started out as a front man, um, uh, working with a group of very talented musicians. I was basically just there, you know, to watch these guys play. And, um, and they needed, a they needed someone who would be stupid enough to, to go up on stage and, and sing. So, um, they talked me into it and, uh, the name of the band was Nefarious Jones, huh. um, and uh, we played some good shows. I, I think our largest crowd at one point was maybe 300 people, um, but it was great because, you know, the the guys in the band, they all had um, different groups of friends, and so we would get together and have a show, and all of these different groups from the Seattle area would come together, and, you know, there were some great, you know, friendships formed from that process. Uh, we didn't have to pay for drinks at the bar, which was always fun, and, um, you know, it's, it's fun to be artistic and creative in that way mm. so i do miss it i mean we we ended up um breaking up at one point as many bands do just because people get older they have more responsibilities i actually i left the band because i i had always wanted to move to europe um so i left in 2006 to do a master's degree in ireland and haven't gone back yet um so yeah what did i learn from that experience um there is nothing like making music i mean make composing and writing songs and and you know, performing live. I mean, you can see why so many you know, rock musicians, um, you know, suffer a lot when they have to stop doing it. Um, cause once you have that you know, experience, you just want, it's just addictive. You just want more. Um, and it's a lot of fun. Yeah. It's just, it's a great thing. Uh, not something that everyone can do well. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it was a lot of fun. There you go. Yeah. A good go. That's, that's great. Sure. So, um, yeah, th- life is a bit rock and roll for you at the moment, I believe, because in different you're ways, in the middle yeah. of the crowdfund. We are. Um, we are. So, tell us about the rock and roll crowdfund that you're doing at the moment. Um, well, we're live on Crowdcube right now. Um, we have uh, experimented with with different approaches to getting the word out, and doing this podcast is one of them. I mean, our company, I think, is there are a lot of companies on Crowdcube that are kind of uh, you know B two C businesses uh, selling consumer products, and we're not. We're a B two B business, so we kind of stick out. Um, but what's been fun about this is you know we're tr- we we have a complex product, but our goal is simple, and so we've really been working on just communicating the message to the masses about what we're doing, and we've got some awesome feedback. I mean, investors have been calling me up on the phone, um, you know, asking me really great questions, um, you know, wanting to meet in person, investing, obviously, in the business. They're coming from all walks of life, from all different sectors. And um, I guess the surprising thing has been just how intelligent the crowd is when it comes to energy. Actually, most people, uh, at least the ones that, that we've been talking to, they get it. Um, you know, they're on board. They want to get involved and, um, you know. It's nice also to get a return <laughs> on your money, you know, not to lose your money. And so, you know, the, the message primarily fr- from us to the public is, look, here's an opportunity to own a stake in a business that's very commercially minded, but also, you know, extremely passionate and impact driven. Um, and now's the time. You've got 20 days, you know, mm-hmm. join us. Uh, we're going places. And so uh, with that, uh, what you're doing, why did you choose uh, crowdfunding uh, in, and with Crowdcube? 
yeah. compared to there's lots of ways that you can get money into the business. Sure. Well, we we did raise, we raised about uh, 250,000 pounds in our first, um, I guess you would call it SEIS round um, uh, over the course of about 18 months, all from individuals. Um, at this point, you know, we have a, a new version of the product, which is machine learning driven yeah. that is just about to get released uh, that customers at investment banks, uh, private equity funds and corporate finance houses are eager to try and buy. Um, and we just need to be ready for growth. And so that means having the runway to be able to retain the talent that we've recruited and do some new hiring. Um, we also, because our aim is to facilitate transactions, we have, we have some compliance requirements. And so, uh, we're looking to cover those, those boxes as well. But basically crowdfunding is just a fast way to, um, you know, organize all of your fundraising efforts into a single process. And, uh, we find that it fills a gap and, uh, it also helps get the word out about the company, you know, forces us to do marketing. Uh, we're very folk. We love building product. That's our thing. We love the product. You know, we love talking to customers, but yeah. we need to do a better job of, of getting the word out to the wider public and Crowdcube has helped with that. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, I think it's, <clears throat> it is, it's like marketing tool in itself because it kind of focuses you, gets you out Definitely. there. And as obviously it's going to be good for raising money, but you, you have to pay for the privilege of that to crowd. But that actually for me is like what that is returned in is like the brand building value. So it's kind of, you're, you're investing into that money there. That brings out the fact we almost certainly wouldn't have been having this conversation if it hadn't been for the fact that you were like, right, I need to get my name out there uh, and get the business out there. And so it's, Absolutely. and I, I've been you know, really enjoying hearing about how you create this because this is, this is what the, the podcast is all about is about the game changers that, that can really help create a deal with a market failure, um, which is what you're identifying, which is that a smaller, medium-sized, even uh, renewable projects globally aren't being funded when, you know, that there's a, there's actually a compelling uh, business case and impact case behind them. Absolutely. Um, But because the system isn't set up to support them, it struggles. Um, Absolutely. So, uh, yeah. So I think we're, we're, we've actually kind of got through a lot in pretty quick time. But anything else you'd like to kind of share with us about uh, where you're taking Enyan or any tips you'd like to give to the uh, uh, listeners? Uh, tips. I mean, sure. I guess if you're looking at the renewable energy market, either as you know someone that's going to participate um, as an investor in a project or someone that's looking to invest in a clean energy startup, um, the one thing to be... Um, aware of is that uh, we still have a long ways to go. Uh, You know, there are a lot of institutional barriers to the growth of the market. And, um, you know, entrepreneurs like myself and and others need to need to take a good hard look at, you know, what are we up against here? Mm. And one of the things that we are up against is, um, is the status quo is heavily subsidized. I mean, we're looking Mm. at a hundred years of building an economy around fossil fuels and everything that we do essentially is dependent on a fossil fuel input somewhere in the supply chain. Everything from going to work in the morning to, you know, having your cup of coffee that probably has a fossil fuel input somewhere along in the supply chain. You know, how did that coffee get here in the first place? Um, the clothes that we wear, the food that we buy, it's all fossil fuels. And so the challenge is extraordinary. I mean, we really need to, we need to think more about what it actually means to live in a fossil fuel free future. And what does that future look like? Because I think in, in ways it looks radically different from the current environment that we're in. And it must be radically different because 
the economy we've built is essentially a total failure. I mean, we are, we're on the cliff edge here. So we've not been doing this the right way. And we need to build a, a, an economic future that is in harmony with natural ecosystems fast. And that's going to, it's going to look different from what we're doing now. I personally think it's going to be awesome. I mean, it's going to look high tech, uh, and it's going to look, you know, more like maybe some of the systems we see in nature already, you know, biomimicry is a really interesting area, but anyway, you're asking about tips. I mean, uh, for people that want to get involved in this market, you know, consider that it's really hard to get away from fossil fuels and, um, you know, to, to build a system that is not fossil fuel dependent, you need to have patience and you need to have a vision of an alternative. It's not enough just to complain about governments not doing enough, about businesses, you know, doing things that harm the environment. That's not enough. We're all harming the environment. I mean, just by living and, and working in this system, we're all contributing to this. We're all part of this. So, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the, the individuals who have put money into our company and are putting money into clean tech, they're great. I mean, they're, they're doing something. They're contributing to uh, a brighter future. And there are going to be solutions that we haven't seen yet that are going to help a lot. And we like to think that we're one. But um, so many problems out there, so many opportunities, you know. So um, do get involved, but be patient and, and understand what we're up against, I guess, is, is my tip. No, that's, that's great. And, sure. and, and I liked actually the, uh, the tangent that you went on with looking at that big picture of the mm. kind of political economic and societal situation because i did i actually did a politics degree all right um i did an international relations masters Great. and i focused on actually environmental uh in in the master's degree uh-huh. and so i i love seeing that big picture and and what's great about what you're doing is you're kind of zeroing in on how you can make a difference yeah. um, as well as you know i'm sure over a beer or a coffee you will have like kind of hold forth and put the world to rights <laughs> uh, and uh what's important is you're taking those those views and that passion that you have and turning it into real life action and making and and already making a difference i'm sure and potentially making a huge difference with uh, the, the onion platform which i'm really excited uh to be able to to kind of let the world know about Thanks. We're excited um, too. So I think we'll start finishing up here. Something today, actually, hopefully the listeners, if you've listened to the Inspiring Sustainability podcast before, or if this is the first one you've listened to, I'd encourage you to listen to another. You might notice a, a difference in sound quality. And uh, today that is actually thanks to my uh, colleague, Woon. So you might have actually heard him even laughing in the background. Um, So Woon, actually tell us a little bit about what your business is and how you're helping um, uh, me with this podcasting. So Woon's just coming around to the the microphone. So hopefully you can hear it properly. So Woon, go for it. Hi. uh, Yeah, thanks, Adam. Uh, So I've been helping Adam uh, publish and edit his podcast uh, for the last year, so I'm I've got a small business to help uh, podcasters run uh, run their podcasting more efficiently. So that's what I do. And uh, what's been great is Woon today, just to make sure that we got really good sound quality, uh, brought these fabulous looking speakers, made me feel very high-tech. very kind of like high tech, as, as <laughs> Phil said there. And uh, and then if you go to the uh, Inspiring Sustainability website, the podcast page, you'll see us, uh, Phil and I, uh, behind these fabulous looking uh, speakers. 
and and there, uh, we even might have a video up uh, with us uh, t- talking with that. And Woon has been a real help in making that happen. And for anybody that's thinking about p- putting a podcast out there, uh, I'd say go for it. The, one of the key things is if you're a busy person, it is good to get somebody to support you to deliver that. And um, and if you're doing it in the impact world, uh, Woon already has some other clients uh, working in this area. So, um, Woon, what's your uh, the, the the website that, that people can find you on? It's, uh, so it's podcastpublishing.help. Podcast publishing. So Woon can help you with that. And uh, I've been working with him for a year and can uh, recommend him. But there are obviously other people out there, depending on what you're doing your podcasting in and the scope. So, you know, um, but it's been a delight to do today's podcast, uh, speaking into these high-tech, beautiful mics. Uh, Thank you, (laughs) Woon, for that. But particularly, thank you, Phil, for your time, wisdom, and uh, passion for helping make an impact on the world by... Um, creating that connection between finance and uh, renewables. It's a pleasure. Um, so just going to finish off today. Phil, can you remind us about how we find you personally and also the business online? Yeah. Uh, to find me personally, uh, send me an email. It's uh, p.bruner, B-R-U-N-E-R, at nen.co. Uh, and then uh, to get onto the website to invest in the crowdfunding campaign, you can go to crowdcube.com or go to our website, which is uh, enian.co. Great. And um, so, and, and how, how do we find you on LinkedIn? Uh, LinkedIn, you can just search for my name, uh, Philip with two L's right. usually, and you'll find me. Uh, any in Twitter is any in tweets. Um, we're also on, uh, we're on Instagram at any in team, Facebook, any in team, uh, medium as well. I think at any in team. Um, so yeah, everywhere. Yeah, we're everywhere. Great. Well, I'm not <laughs> quite as widespread, but you can find me, Adam Woodall, by looking for at Adam Woodhall on Twitter. Also, that is where you find me on LinkedIn. And then, of course, there's the inspiring-sustainability.com website where you can sign up to the newsletter, find more about the podcast and about the services that I provide as a business. So that is all for today's podcast. Uh, I do sincerely hope that you've enjoyed the podcast as a listener and uh, just uh, finish off by saying thank you once again to Phil. Thank you, Adam. It's been a pleasure.